theyeshiva.net. Okay, today we're going to learn a sicha, a shir, a sicha, a presentation of the Lubavitcher Rebbe on Parsha's Chayisara, Parsha of the Week. And it's published in Lekutei Sichas, Volume 1, Lekutei Sichas Chelek Aleph, Parsha's Chayisara, page 31. If you go to the source sheets here on the yeshiva.net, you have it right here. As usual, at the end of the Sikha, they give the date when the Rebbe said this. So it was Shabbos Parshas Chayesara, Tov Shin Yud Aleph. That's Parshas Chayesara, 1950. 1950. Towards the end of 1950. And uh, the winter of 1950, meaning, uh, you know, the season, Cheshvan time, Kislev time, Cheshvan time. The significance of this year, of course, is that uh, it's the first year that the Rebbe assumed leadership of Chabad because it's the first Parshas Chayisara after the passing of his father-in-law, the sixth Lubavitcher Rebbe, the Rebbe Rayatz, Rebbe Yosef Yitzchak Shneerson, Zatzal, who passed away in 1950 on the 10th of Shvat. So officially, the Rebbe didn't accept leadership for a year. It was a year. He, he was declining quite intensely. A year later, at the first anniversary of the yard site, which was Yud Shvat at the Fabrengen, the Rebbe said his famous Maimer, Bossi Lagani, his first discourse, and he assumed officially the leadership of Chabad, even though for the rest of his life he always referred to his father-in-law as the Rebbe, never to himself. But this was a few months before Yud Shvat, but it's in the year of Avelas, the year of mourning after his father-in-law, and uh, the Rebbe would fabreng every Shabbos Mavarchim, besides Yom Tif and other special days. These were small fabrengans after davening upstairs in the 770 Eastern Parkway, a little small shul, which they called the Zal, the Beis Medrash. So this was the first Shabbos Chayisara of the Lubavitcher Rebbe's leadership, if yet unofficial, because it was a few months before he officially assumed. So this was one of the talks that the Rebbe gave at that Fabrengen, 1950. And as I said, it's published in the Kudus Volume 1. I'm emphasizing this because you'll see the theme of this Sicha is rather... It's all based on Azoyar and based on Gemoris and based on various sources. But the way the Rebbe puts it together... Uh, in his own unique, inimitable way, what emerges is a very, very powerful and potent idea. Some may call it even somewhat revolutionary, even though God, even though it's completely embedded within uh, the tradition of Yiddishkeit and Chazal. But what's really fascinating is that this would become a theme in many of the Rebbe's talks. But what's equally fascinating is that it's literally today what we call cutting-edge, cutting-edge uh, psychology and healing. Uh, since it's stackled by Raisa Bor Alma, it says in Zoyar, the Torah is the blueprint of the universe. Hashem looked into the Torah and He created the world based on the Torah like a contractor who reads the blueprint of the architect and he follow, hopefully he follows the guidelines. The problem is not all architects follow the blueprint, but hopefully he follows the blueprint. So the Zohar says 
that Kutshebrichu istakel b'reiso b'ra alma. It's a fascinating zayr. He looked into Torah, and that's how he created the world. That means that everything in Torah, everything in, in Torah is manifested in the world, and everything in the world is originates in Torah. Now that relationship sometimes takes a lot of genius to be able to see and understand. But I said uh, the Zayar, the Medrash also says, the Medrash says in Bereshis, Medrash Rabba, the Torah is the Diftirayus of Pinkasayus. It's the blueprints that the Creator uses. So we'll see that this idea is uh, extremely, very, very contemporary, and very compelling, and really at the cutting edge of, uh, of issues of healing today. So let's begin. It's in Yiddish, I'm going to translate. The first part we're going to do today, Monday. And the second part, we're going to finish Bli Neder Bezer Hashem. I always say Bli Neder, Thursday morning at 7.30. Sif Aleph. In the Heintika said, Rishteit, in this week's parasha, it says, Vatomos Sora Bekirius Arba, he chevrin beretz The parasha of Chayesor opens up with the famous words, the life of Sora endured, lasted for a hundred years, and twenty years, and seven years, the years of the life of Sarah were 127. And the next verse is, Vatamas Sarah, Sarah died, Bekirius Arba, in a place that we call Kirius Arba, literally means the city of four. He, Hevron, which is Hevron, the city of Hevron, in which country? In the land of Canaan. And then the Torah continues, Vayavay Avram, Avram Avinu comes to eulogize Sarah, to weep for Sarah. And Avram Avinu now begins to negotiate with the Bnei Ches, with the tribe of Ches living in Hebron, trying to purchase a burial plot in which he can inter his wife Sarah. And ultimately, as we know, it would become the cave of the Machpelah where Sarah would be buried, Avram would be buried. And then in later generations, Yitzchak, Rivka and Yitzchak and Leah and Yaakov. And according to tradition, it's also Adam and, ha- Adam and Chava were there already before. Now, I just want to say before we continue, every Pasuk could be understood on different levels. We always speak about, we often speak about what we call Nigla and Pnimius, right? The Nigla of Torah and the Pnimius of Torah. Nigla of Torah is the revealed part of Torah, meaning revealed doesn't only mean it's not a secret, it's revealed that it's in Svarim, because today Pnimius of Torah is also revealed. <laughs> it's also in Svarim, you can also read it. Nigla and Pnimius is not if it's out there or it's not out there. It means what it, it, it's about the theme of what's being taught. Nigla represents the part of Torah that's very conc- it's concrete. It's tangible. It assumes a physical and practical incarnation. What's called in Zayar a levush of Nigla, a garment that is tangible. That's what Nigla means, tangible. Pnimius is the intangible. It's the transcendent. It relates more to the spiritual. It's generally the difference between Mishnayis and Gemara and Halacha versus what you would call Kabbalah, Machshava, Chsidis, Pnimis And they're two layers. They're really one because the body and the soul are inseparable. For a human being to live, Zeus Adam, Adam, they always work in complete unison. But it's two layers of Torah. One has to appreciate the indispensable value of each one, and one without the other is incomplete. Taj the Zayar comes the Zayar, and remember the Zayar 
is the foundational book of Kabbalah. So the Zoyer explains many of the verses and mitzvahs and ideas and stories of Torah according to Pnimiyas HaTorah. There's a deeper, metaphysical, spiritual, transcendent, emotional message. Says the Zoyer, Asare is a remez, an undite, undite in, in Yiddish is remez, which means it's uh, alluded to, it's an intimation, a hint, Avdem Guf, Unavram Avdem Neshama. Sarah represents the human body, the physical body. Avram entirely represents the soul. Now this is the Zoya. Where is the Zoya? It's on Parshish Chayis Sarah. It's a section of Zoya called Medrash Hanelam. It's Zoya, Parshish Chayis Sarah, page Kufchov Beis. Tav Kufchov Beis and Kufchov Gimel, 122 and 123 in the first volume of Zoya and and I'm going to read it in a moment, but I first want to read it in the Sikh, and then we'll, I want to give you the source. That's the deeper meaning of the words. And Sarah died. It's not just referring to the physical person called Sarah, her soul and her body, and it came her time to pass away and her soul departed from the body. Obviously, that's the literal meaning. Sarah passed away. But there's a deeper meaning that relates not only to Sarah, but relates to every single person, because if Sarah represents the body, the guf, and Avram represents the souls of Atoma Sarah, when the guf starved, when the body experiences what we call death, it's Bekirius Arba. It's Kiryas Arba. Kiryas Arba means a city of four, but he explains what's Arba state from the Firiusides. The body is combined, it's comprised, not comprised, of what we call the four elements, the element of fire. The element of ear, the element of water, and the element of earth, you have these four elements, these four dimensions in every single physical existence. Arba, it's a curious Arba, it's a city where these four components combine fire, water, ear, and earth. And the Hevron. This curious Arba is called Hevron. Hevron comes from the word Chibur, Hevron, like you say, a Hevra. What's a Hevra? Hevra is a group, right? A society, a group of people. Chaver. Remember? Remember Bill Clinton? Shalom Chaver. Rabin's yard site. I was at the funeral. I went with my father. Allah Shalom, he was a journalist. Shalom Chaver. What's Chaver? Chaver is a friend. The word is Chibur. A good friend I'm connected to. Chibur, lechaber, is to connect when things become cohesive, integrated, linked together. That's called chibur. So the Zoyar says, He chevron, calls, calls man, vaser, erd gelept. As long as the body was alive, meaning it was facilitating the electricity, the biochemical energy of the soul. So in the fear you say, there's given mechuber. The four components, the four elements were connected. Is when starved, when the person passes, Avram, who represents the soul, comes to eulogize the body and to weep for the body. Death is not just, okay, the body is dead, the soul is alive. No, the soul comes to cry. Why? Because the soul is connected to the body. This is my body, this is my guf. This is where the soul lived and dwelled and worked with the body. So the soul cries for its partner. It's like a soulmate. There's a marriage between the neshama and the guf. They're not just two separate entities, the soul 
comes into the body and now time is up and the soul leaves. The soul comes to cry, Avram comes to cry for Sarah. Because even after, after death, as he puts it, after histalkus, which means histalkus means departure, histalek, right? Histalek ha'anon. The soul departs, the soul is always connected to the guf, is the body. This is all a quote from Zohar Parshas Chayisar, Zohar and this week's Parsh. I'm just going to read it in the source. I just like reading it in the source. It says in Zohar as follows. Rabbi Yitzchak said it in the name of Rabbi Yochanan. You just have to understand the people who said this line. The Rebbe here is not quoting all the details. But it was Rabbi Yitzchak in the name of Rabbi Yochanan. That Hashem created Adam. And Adam is comprised of the four elements called Kiryas Arba. And they're all connected. They're all Hevron. Kiryas Arba is Hevron. They're all connected. They're not like two, four separate things. They all become one entity in a person. That's as long as the person is alive. And then when the person passes away, right, each one of the elements goes its own way as the body ultimately will, as it says in the Pasuk, Afur Atavala, Afur Toshua is going to return back to earth. So Rabbi Yehuda says that Chevron means that when he was alive, all the four elements were connected. Vatamasara is the guf, Kiryas Arba, the four elements. Chevron means they were machuber, they were connected during his or her life in the body. All here in this world. Be'eretz Knan. What's Eretz Knan? The Rebbe doesn't say this, but it's interesting. Be'eretz Knan means in the world of business, in the world of merchants. Knan in Hebrew is a soicher, a merchant. Knan, moizne be'yode mirmer. There's a posik that the merchant sometimes has uh, scales in his hands which are deceitful. Knan is a form of business. So he says, all of this, v'atamasara, in the world where a person becomes a soicher, because basically the idea of a merchant is, as the Gemara says, if you buy and you sell, the same thing that you bought, you sell, that's a merchant. You buy one thing and you sell it for more. You don't buy and sell for the same price. So in this world, we actually, we gain something, we generate something. It's a place of a merchant where a person acquires, acquires Many great things, many mitzvahs, many masim toivim. So that's all Be'eretz Knan. And the Zoya continues. Avram comes to eulogize for Sarah and weep. Because we learned that all seven days, what we call the days of Shiva, from when a soul leaves, the soul of a person continues to visit the body and mourn for the body. The relationship does not just end easily. That's what it means. Quote from Zoyer. Avram represents the soul. And as he says in the Sicha, that relationship continues. There's an element of the Neshama that's still connected. By the way, that's the reason we have the concept of visiting the resting place of a loved one. Even though one can say, that's just the place of the body. But the soul is not connected to this place anymore. People go to Maris Machbeila, to Chevron, right? Place of our patriarchs and matriarchs. Miran, Lagbaimir, or not Lagbaimir, a place of Shimon Bayechai. The Oyal, other places, other resting places of tzaddikim, or parents, or other loved ones. Because there's a certain component of the soul that's present in that place where the body wasn't hurt. So Avrama Vinu, not just it's over, he comes to cry for Sarah and weep for Sarah, because as we said, there's a marriage, and even after the termination, there's a relationship. Baruch atah adinai lehenu malachah ilum shah kail niya bedvareh. 
footnote number one is a Zeshal Satrivas Harajba Simin Tof Yudches. The Rajba was one of the Rishonim from Spain. His name was Rabbeinu Shloima ben Aderes. Rajba. Rajba, as some pronounce. Rabbeinu Shloima ben Aderes. He was one of the leading luminaries of the Spanish Jewish community. A physician and a sage and a rabbi and a leader. And he wrote an enormous amount of responsa to Jews from the whole world who sent questions to him. And there, many of them are published in what's called Shailas Utshuvas Harajba. So in the first section, I think it is number 418, there's a truva that goes for many, 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 many pages. And over there, the issue is confronting those who took the entire Tanakh and they saw all the stories as allegory, as a marshal, as allegorical. And the Rajba really confronts it because there were those who took all the stories in Tanakh and they said it's just a metaphor, it's just using characters as metaphors. Now that's what it looks like the Zoyer is doing, right? Avram is the body, is the soul, and Sora is the body. So the Rajab explains that of course the Psukim have metaphors and allegories and they represent certain timeless characteristics and ideas. But as the Gemara says in Shabbos, it doesn't extricate the literal meaning of the verse that there's somebody called Avram, there's somebody called Sora. But Avram and Sarah embody also certain characteristics or qualities or ideas that live on timelessly within human and Jewish history. It's a huge truva, that's what he's mentioning here. It's a whole long conversation about what are the limits in interpreting Torah based on our tradition. Okay. So this is basically the Pasuk and the Zayah. Now the Rebbe is going to ask a fascinating question. If it's a real statement, it's a real statement. According to this, Asar is Aremes of Demgov. Sara represents or embodies, or at least is a metaphor for the body. Unavram is Avdeneshama, is in Plugnit Fashtandik. This creates a big question. The Torah says, Hashem tells Avram, whatever Sara tells you, you have to listen to her. Wow. You hear the question? If this is authentic, it's not a joke. Sarah represents the guf, this body. Avram represents the nisham. What happened last week in Parshas Vayera? You remember the story? Avram, of course, had a son, Yishmol. Yishmol was born from Hagar. Sarah's mate. Sarah gave Hagar to Avram Avinu in Lech Lecha. She gave birth to Yishmol. Yishmol grows up in last week's Parsha Vayera. Sarah sees that he is Mitzachek, literally mean he's laughing, he's jester, he's a jester, he's mocking Yitzchak. Rashi says that Mitzachek represents three things idolatry, adultery, murder, Avoidazare, Gilir Arayas, Shvichizdamim. Yishmol was threatening Yitzchak's life. Rashi says they would go out to the wilderness, the forest, he would fight with Yitzchak, shoot arrows, almost killed him. There was also an element of idolatry. Yishmal was still entrenched in pagan idolatry. And there was an element of giliarayas, which means immoral, promiscuous relationships. Which may mean, actually, that Yitzchak's, what type of adultery, what are we talking about? Yishmal was a, was a teenager, he was a young kid. Yishmal was 13 years old. A few years later, Yitzchak was growing up, so he was a little bit, but a little older. It's possible that what Chazal meant with that is, that Yishmol was trying to uh, 
violate the physical boundaries of Yitzchak. And Sarah needed to get him out of the house. When your children's safety is compromised, their moral safety and their physical safety, because it says that Yishmael was involved in Gilearais. Gilearais means promiscuous, immoral relationships. How did that affect Yitzchak? It may be that Yishmael actually wanted to engage Yitzchak as a child in a relationship, what we call today molestation. And Sarah stood up. Sarah said it can't happen. There were, of course, other factors as well. But it's just fascinating, just fascinating to see that that's what our sages understand here. At least one of the elements of the problem. There were other problems as well, but this was a biggie. So Sarah tells Avram Avinu, he's your son, but Yitzchak is not safe. He's not, his, his body is not safe. Back to the body, right? Avram Avinu doesn't want to send away Yishmael. It says, Avram. Avram was very aggrieved. He was very upset. Yishmael is his child. And what happens? Hashem tells Avram Avinu those fateful words. Whatever Sarah tells you, listen to her voice. Obey her. Take her words in, turn, take her words in and follow through. Implement them. And it's interesting. Avram wasn't asking Hashem marital advice. He wasn't asking him about everything that Sarah says. He was upset about this one particular argument, what we do with Yishmael. But Hashem's response is, Koyal means everything. Whatever Sarah tells you, listen to. Rashi says over there, quoting the Medrash, that the Avais were subservient to the Imoyas when it came to prophecy. When it came to divine inspiration, when it came to Nevuah, divine prophecy, Avram Avinu was secondary to Sarah, and he knew it. He was subservient to Sarah. Sarah was far superior to him in prophecy. Also fascinating idea. Somebody sent me last night the whole netziv on it, the difference of nevur or hakaydir. But that's what Rashi says. So therefore, Hashem basically telling Avram, you're, 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 you're Avram Avinu, but Sarah uh, sees things in a way that you don't. She has that clarity, that divine clarity, and if whatever she tells you, listen to. That's the story, literally. Now the Lubavitcher is asking the Gavaldic a question. Let's go to the Zohar. The Zoyer says that Avram represents the soul. Sarah represents the what? The body, the goof. That means when it says Avram and Sarah, we can read it also as a metaphor, as an allegorical reference to the soul and to the body, which come together, of course, in human life to the point that they're indistinguishable, to the point that some people can even argue that there's no soul. <laughs> the body is alive. <laughs> That's how integrated the soul and the body become. That's why there can be an argument that the whole concept of soul is mythical. The body, everything is just the body. All of our sensations, all of our emotions, all of our ideas, all of our experiences, consciousness, I, it's all the body. Why can there even be that idea? As senseless as it is, because the soul and the body become completely one. Avram and Sarah become one. But now, says the Rebbe, how are we to understand that verse where Hashem tells Avram, whatever Sarah tells you, listen to her. According to the Zoyer, imagine, let me now translate it. Whatever your goof tells you, listen to it. Where would I be if I do that? 
Whatever your body tells you, whatever Sarah tells you, listen. Wow. Haven't we been educated? That the goof needs to be, the goof has to listen to the neshama. The neshama doesn't have to listen to the goof. On the contrary, sometimes the goof will steer you wrong. This is the question that Abba raises. Some of you probably already have an intuition where this is going. Fascinating question. So some might say, well, come on, he's just telling Avram, whatever Saras says, listen. But desire is pinami it's revealing the pinami, that Sara means the goof. Sara is a remez. She represents allegorically the goof. So you can't just mutilate a story and say, this story doesn't apply to the pinamius of Sara. So Hashem is telling Avram, whatever the goof tells you, you have to listen. That's what he says. It's very strange. It's enigmatic. It doesn't seem to go with the trajectory of how we understand Judaism. And generally, our moral ethics and values, the body needs to be disciplined, the body needs to be harnessed, the body needs to obey the soul, the body could sometimes get out of whack, the body could be very impulsive, the body can be greedy, the body can be gluttonous and addicted. This is going to be the foundation of this sikha. Siv base. Everybody understands? Reb Aaron, you with us? Okay. Gewaldik, yeah? Good stuff. Siv Beis. Es is bavuz devort from Balshemtiv. Now there's the line of the Balshemtiv, which is both going to increase the question and open us up to the answer. There's a vort from the Balshemtiv. Vart, of course, means a word, but of course it means an insight, a perspective. The Baal Shem Tev says, On the verse in Parshas Mishpatim, Exodus chapter 23, verse 5, Let me tell you the Pasuk, and then we'll understand what the Baal Shem Tev, and then we'll go into what the Baal Shem Tev says on this Pasuk. This is an incredible, incredible insight of the Baal Shem Tev. The Pasuk says as follows, I'll quote in the original and translate. If you see the donkey of your enemy, and the poor donkey is crouching under a very heavy burden, and you might think, I'm not going to help this donkey, it's the donkey of my enemy. Says the Torah wrong, you need to help this donkey. Help your enemy lift up the donkey, remove part of the burden, and get the donkey back on track. On a literal level, again, nigla, this is a halacha, fascinating halacha. I'm traveling on the road, I'm taking a hike, I'm walking down the road, and I have an enemy who has a donkey, and the poor donkey has a heavy burden, or the donkey is tired, or the donkey is not feeling well, or the burden is too heavy, and the donkey is now crouching, and the donkey can't move. And I may tell myself, this is not my problem, it's not my donkey, it's not, he's not my friend, he's actually my enemy, I don't like him. I don't like him. Comes the Torah and says, a special mitzvah. You are obligated to go and help this donkey. Alleviate the pain of the donkey and alleviate the pain of the owner. Take off a burden and help out however you can help. That's the mitzvah in Parshas Mishpat comes the Baal Shem Tev and says, there's also a deeper layer of interpretation. We're not just talking about a stranger or an enemy and his physical donkey. 
We're also talking about our personal lives. And here he goes. Kisire chamoir. When you're going to see a donkey. The word chamoir is the same letters as the word chaymer. Chaymer means the brute, physical, material reality. Chaymer. Or chumrius. Chumrius they translate as grabkite. It's the dense, physical, brute reality. The corporal realities of the world. The Maharal of Prague says, Ani Mashiach is a poor man riding on a donkey, says the Maharal. What's the donkey of Mashiach? He can't come in a BMW. Nobody can afford a Lexus to bring Mashiach. And even if he's coming on an animal, a horse, a beautiful horse, a well-groomed horse. So the Maharal says, Ani Mashiach is going to come from the donkey, from the chamer. We'll soon see what that means. But chamer is the material. It's also associated with the donkey, because not just the same letters. As the Maharal says, the donkey is considered, you know, there's an English word for the donkey, it's considered a simple animal in many ways. It's a simple animal. The body versus the soul, versus the inner mind, is considered a donkey. It doesn't have that, you know, sophistication or wisdom. Says the Baal Shem Tev, when you're going to do the Torah, says when you look into your own donkey, you're going to look at your own donkey, you're going to look at your own physicality, at your own material self. You're going to come to see, you're going to look at your chamor, at your own physical self, and you may conclude, he's your enemy, he's your foe. Why? Because in the beginning of a person's service, in the beginning of a person's work, and in the beginning of a person's life, naturally the body and the soul can be inhospitable to each other. They have conflicts of interest. They can even be enemies of each other. I want this and my enemy wants the exact opposite. And they're in conflict. Furthermore, Roivitz Tachas Masoi. This donkey is not only your enemy, he's also crouching under his burden. Masa, what's the burden? Masa meaning their oil, last. Last is Yiddish. Last from Torah and Mitzvahs. The burden represents the burden of Torah and Mitzvahs. The burden of living a moral, ethical life. A responsible life, fulfilling my duties to my God and other humans. Nit kuken dikados is masa zain masa. adds... It doesn't just say crouching under the burden, crouching under its burden, under his burden. Even though it's his burden, in other words, it's the donkey's burden, this was given to you, especially for you. The mitzvahs were not given to the souls in heaven. They were given to the souls the way they come down into bodies. Because the objective is to refine and help the body. So this is not a burden that's here to destroy the body, to crush the body, to eliminate the body, to decimate the body, to abuse the body. No, It's not just a burden, a blanket burden, that, a, 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 a plain burden, a heavy burden that you place on the donkey to say you're not a free person. You're not a free animal. This is an important nuance. He's crouching under his own burden. This is a burden that was given to him. It belongs to the body, meaning... It's the benefit of the body. It's something the body needs. What do they say? The poet said about the violin. We spoke about it quite a few times. When, when, when the strings of the violin are not tied down, 
there will never be music that will come from that violin. And if you're playing football on a roof of a building, a huge, beautiful roof, and there's no fence around it, the football game, the football game is going to become an exercise in misery and agony. You won't be able to have fun. So the masa, the burden of Torah and mitzvahs, is there to help the body. It's a burden that the body needs to carry in order to be able to be uplifted. But the body says, all good, but it's a burden. <laughs> it's a heavy burden. I'm not interested. So what are you doing? not interested in the burden. You crouch down and you don't move. I'm not going to carry this burden. This is the Baal Shem Tiv's understanding of the Pasuk. Kisire Chamar. You're going to look well into your own Chamar, into your own Chamar. And suddenly you're going to see Sainach. There's a conflict of interest. There's a part of you that's on a Shama. The Neshama is divine. The Neshama is transcendent. The Neshama seeks transcendence. The Neshama is idealistic. The Neshama wants to make a difference. The Neshama wants to change the world, wants to bring good into the world. The Neshama feels itself as an ambassador of love, light, and hope, and healing, authenticity, wisdom, redemption. The goof is a goof. It's a body. The physical brute. And they're enemies. And not only that, not just they disagree. He's crouchy. He doesn't want to continue this journey with the burden. This is a heavy burden. Call it my burden. Say it's here to refine me and elevate me and sublimate me and make my life ultimately better. I am not interested. (laughs) I'm a donkey. I'm not interested. That's how the Baal Shem Tev understands the Pasuk. Siv Gimel. He didn't get yet to the, to the, to the end of the Baal Shem Tov's interpretation. That's going to be the key. <laughs> so now, what does this do? This interpretation only increases the question. So now you're telling Avram Avinu, whatever Sarah says, listen to her. <laughs> whatever the goof says, listen to him. The goof says, I'm not going anywhere. I'm not interested. I just, I didn't choose this life. I'm not interested in it. It's excruciatingly painful. Even if it's not excruciatingly painful, it's a burden. It's a nuisance. It's annoying. It's distracting. It induces guilt and induces shame. It's not what I'm interested in. It's not who I am. And leave me alone. And even with your explanations, the bottom line is I was created to be a donkey. And that's what I want to be. And the Pasa continues, The natural inkling is, I don't want to help my donkey. I don't want to be there for my donkey. <laughs> Either I surrender to it, or I fight it. That's the natural thought. And the Baal Shem Tev says that the Torah comes to teach you a different paradigm. But now we're back to our question. How can the Zoyer say Sarah is the goof? And then the Rebbeinu Shalalem God tells Avram, whatever Sarah says, listen to it. Really? Every voice of laziness, every voice of gluttony, every voice of apathy. Gimel. O Yisrdem was the mitzvahs, and he gave me gavon and afkets in the shamas and gufim. Zain in the mitzvahs gufa, eich angeton dafkin gashmi is the kazach. It's not just that all of the mitzvahs were given to souls the way they're manifested in the bodies. The mitzvahs were not given to angels. They were not given to the souls in paradise. As Chazal tells us, once a person passes away, he's free from the mitzvahs. That's why we don't do mitzvahs in cemeteries, it says, because it's a form of insensitivity. People tuck in their tzitzes. 
So the mitzvahs were given to souls and bodies. That's true. But he says it's even more than that. The mitzvahs themselves assume physical mediums, physical mechanisms. They assume a physical incarnation. It's not just the practical physical mitzvahs. Most of the mitzvahs, really all of the mitzvahs of the Torah, it's not just it was given to a person who's living in a body. The mitzvahs themselves are physical. The mitzvahs themselves are dressed up in physicality. How do I light a Shabbos candle or how do I light a Hanukkah candle if I'm not dealing, if I'm not using oil, a candelabra, a leichter, wax, a wick? I can't light the candle otherwise. How can I give tzedakah if I'm not using a check, a bank account, physical currencies, physical dollars or shekel or franc or ruble, whatever you're using? How can I tithe? How can I give tzedakah to the poor person if I'm not using physical grain, physical vegetables, physical fruits, physical legumes? And how can I put a mezuzah on my door or wrapped filling on my arm if I don't take the physical hide of a physical animal, develop it into parchment, make physical ink of herbs, and get a physical quill and attach, connect the ink to the parchment? And the same is with a mezuzah, every single mitzvah. I want to make Kiddush on Shabbos and I need to find grapes and squeeze the grapes into wine before Shabbos and find a physical goblet, a becher, and make, make Kiddush. And the same is true with mitzvahs that are verbal. I have to use my physical lips, my physical brain, my physical body. Every single mitzvah. The Rebbe says not only the action-oriented mitzvahs, whether it's giving charity or putting on tefillin or hearing shayfar and shoshana, how are you going to hear shayfar? on Rosh Hashanah, if you don't take a physical ram's horn. So the mitzvahs themselves have the same story. The mitzvahs are like a soul, God's will, but it's enclosed and facilitated only through physical realities, physical objects, physical beings and existences in this world. But he says, even the mitzvah is called chayvah salavavah. Chayvah salavavah means the duties of the heart. There's a mitzvah to love. Love is not physical. You don't see love with your eyes. You see the result of love. Love is not something tangible and physical that you can touch or smell or hear or taste. You could taste the, the, the results of love. You can see gestures of love, but love itself is an internal emotion. You're not going to find it in a laboratory. Show me the love in the laboratory, in the machine. Or, or awe, mitzvah of awe, yira. And then there's chayvah samach, there's the duties of the brain. The mitzvah of hamana sayichot, appreciating, understanding, believing the oneness of the Creator. The Rebbe says, even these mitzvahs, they're not detached from the physical. The function is the love needs to be felt in my body, in my heart. There's a sensation that the heart experiences called love, called fear, called sadness, mad, glad, scared, happy. The same is true with the mitzvahs. There's, it's a physical sensation. Your body actually is affected in a very real way. You feel it in the body, and that's the mitzvah. The mitzvah is not abstract, platonic love that is detached. The mitzvah is that the experience should be experienced, he says, in them kerplichen flesh, beautiful words, in the flesh of the heart, in the flesh of the brain. When I really understand something, my brain understands it. 
and it's felt, it's experienced in my physical self. Lomashal, he says, the metaphor, an example. The mitzvah from Avas Hashem. Take the mitzvah of love of Hashem. Azevi in Gashmis is the Chshmu Atayvus Adashen Etzim. The verse says in Mishlei, Proverbs 15, good news makes the bone fat. A good absurda macht fat the bone, macht fat the bone. You hear good news, it creates a fatness in the bone. The Gemara itself, the Gemara Masech the Gittin, the fifth chapter, tells the famous story, Gittin, page 56. As from the Gutta Psuda, was man at him ungesagt, is gewonnen bei ma kerpliche Änderung. When Rabbi Yochan and Ben Zakai met Aspasionis, Vespasian, who was then the Roman commander, mobilizing the Roman forces against Jerusalem to crush the revolt, this is 68 after the Common Era, approximately. Rabbi Yochan and Ben Zakai tells Vespasian that he's going to become the new emperor of Rome, and that's what happens. And he sends his son Titus to destroy the Jerusalem, and he becomes the emperor of Rome, re- replacing Nero, Nero in Caesar. So what happens? The bone of his leg, of his foot, became fat. It has a physical impact. When I hear good news, the opposite. these are not just things, they're ideas. Your body is affected. Your body is really affected. And we're going to see how important all this is. It's true when you speak about love. Take love of God as their kirvas alikim li toivas, the mensch, the head of Erzan Kentikas and Gof. Love, the mitzvah of love is not about a detached experience where there's a concept called love. That's not the mitzvah of love. That's philosophical ideas. When there's love in my heart, just like when there's awe in my heart, the mitzvah is the physical experience of it. I can actually point to my body and point to where I'm experiencing it, and what that experience feels like in my body. That's the mitzvah. He says, this is true both about mitzvahs that are connected to the heart, mitzvahs connected to the mind. The kirvah salakim li toiv, paraphrasing, quoting a pasuk in Tehillim, in Gimel. The closeness of Hashem that I feel is good, which the person appreciates, not just an appreciation as a philosophical, detached idea. That's not kirvah salakim li toiv. He said that it's, 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 it's visible, it's kentic, for kentic means it's conspicuous, it's expressive in my body. The same is true with awe, reverence, fear. Yir doesn't only mean that there's a certain condensement in the brain or even in the heart. Not as darf sein kentik in dem kerplichen fleisch von moyach und hart as erschreckt sich. The fear is something that's tangible. <laughs> it's an interesting idea. That in my physical flesh, the physical flesh, your physical body, there's this sensation of awe, of reverence, of yira. Al-Tzabanun's gewissen the Nesiyim. Jewish leaders are not just teachers, they're living embodiments of what Torah is. Very powerful idea, what a leader is. Talk about a gadol, a nasi, a leader. Not just a person who's a genius and can teach. Yeah, that's of course important. It's not just even a person who's ehrlich, an honest person, obviously. It's much more than that. It's a person whose life becomes an embodiment of what they're teaching. Now sometimes you have a leader who can teach one thing by embodying it, another thing that's not their thing. So in that sense, there's a quality that's missing in the leadership because if I cannot become an embodiment of what I'm teaching, the inspiration is much weaker. It's much more detached. So the Rebbe says everything, the Nesim, 
our leaders, our great leaders embodied for us. He says, so I'll give an example. There's a story as the Alter Rebbe Tamal in Davenen, the Shoshana Yom Kippur, Kumendik zu de Werter und begein tein Pachtache, sich angeben Keiklen auf der Erde, sagendik Pach, Pach, mit a Patach unter den Pei, und vergreis Pache, dat er nicht gekannt verendet in dem Wort. Erst in der Zeit, dann hat er ausgeführt im ganzen Wort Pachtache. The Alter Rebbe, the Balatanya, was once davening, he says it was either a Shoshana Yom Kippur, in the davening, in the prayers of Rosh Hashanah, we say, V'chein tein pach d'cho Hashem elekeinu, V'emoscha kol masach v'iruch ha'kol abruyim, V'ishtach v'iruch ha'kol amaisim, V'ishtach v'iruch ha'kol abruyim, V'yasuchulam agudachas l'asas r'tzayin ha'balev avshal. U'b'chein means, and so, confer your fear, your awe, on all of your creations. Pachat means fear, awe, reverence, respect. When the Alter Rebbe came to these words of davening, he began rolling on the ground. Rolling. And he kept on saying the words, pach, 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 pach. He says, with a patach, pach. But he could not finish the word pach. Why? There was such deep awe and reverence. There was such pachad. He couldn't finish the word. He couldn't say the word. And he wasn't just standing in one place. He's rolling on the ground. There was such a sense of ecstasy. What is that about? You know, when we teach Yiddishkeit today, like, oh, what? You roll on the ground? And we're not talking here about, God forbid, a superficial act. You know? <laughs> a, a play. We have actors who are acting in different roles just to create a sensation that they are not one with. We're talking about authenticity, the ultimate authenticity. But what's the example? What, what does this show us? This is not a Yiddishkeit that's divorced from bodily sensation. It's a concept that you read about, you learn about. Once in a while, you may have a little feeling. This is, his body was really responding in the most concrete, authentic, physical way. He's rolling on the ground, rolling, literally rolling on the ground in the shul where the Alter Rebbe was in Lyajna, Belarus, and he can't even say the word. And the Rebbe says it took a long time until he finally got the word out. Pachtecha. So he says this was not just a story. It was a living example of what Yiddishkeit is. It's a Judaism that lives in the body. It's sensed in the body. It's experienced in the most concrete and real way as a sensation in my body, in my physical body. He's now going to tell another few stories. One from the Tzemach Tzedek and one from Reb Nochem of Chernobyl, the Ma'irenayim, the famous Reb Nochem of Chernobyl, a student of the Baal Shem Tev, all to bring out this point, which will ultimately bring us back to the question and to the answer of Hashem telling Avram Avinu to listen to everything that Sarah teaches him, everything the body teaches him. Wishing you all an amazing day. Thank you. This class is brought to you by the yeshiva.net. Please help us continue the classes. Make even a small contribution at www.theyeshiva.net slash donate.